thank you for listening to Words and Nerds podcast. Danny V here. Words and Nerds pod are committed to Australian writers and aim to bring you conversational, sometimes deep, sometimes humorous episodes with a diverse range of authors and guest co-hosts. That's why I'm really excited to announce a partnership with Writing New South Wales. I've completed a few of their courses in the past and what I've really loved is the flexibility as I usually only get to pursue my hobbies early in the morning or very late into the night. These online courses give you the opportunity to learn from established authors such as Anwen Crawford, Kate Holden, Ryan O'Neill, Fiona Wright and many more. And the cool thing is you receive both tutor and peer feedback and you get to network with other writers. You can learn from anywhere and at your own pace. Writing New South Wales also offers on-demand courses that you can start anytime. I've just started the Getting Started with Picture Books with Elisa Darlison because it's a process I've always wanted to know more about. If you're a writer, reader, educator, book lover, librarian, aspiring writer, or if you just like me and like to know stuff, check out writingnewsouthwales.org.au. You can also sign up for their newsletter, News Bites, where you guessed it, words and nerds will appear. Thanks for listening and stay safe. listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat to authors about the social and political influences of the writing and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, I welcome Elisa Darlison, award-winning author with over 50 books published for children and young adults. Her stories are filled with humour, heart, mystery, magic and adventure. Her latest series, League of Llamas, is guaranteed to have you laughing out loud at the antics of the llama secret agent characters. How are you, Elisa? That was some introduction. Ah, thank you. Uh, I'm very well, thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. I was so impressed with the uh, 50 books published for children and young authors. That's a pretty solid number. Yes, in just about a decade, I think. Uh, but when you write series, you tend to have to write quickly and to tight deadlines and you have to write a lot. So that's helped me um, bump up the numbers, I guess. But also I write a lot of picture books and they're certainly a bit shorter than novels. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you start by giving us an elevator pitch for League of Llamas, your latest series? Okay. Uh, well, the League of Llamas Ooh. is a hilarious new series and they're llamas but they're secret agents and of course they get up to all sorts of incredible amazing and uh, humorous uh, <laughs> incidents so there's Philippe Lamar there's Eloise Lamareski and there's Lloyd Laminator so plenty of llama puns oh I love a llama pun jokes in the stories as well I was doing lots of llama puns when I interviewed Matt Cosgrove, of course, of the uh, Mac of the Alpaca and now his new Dharma the Llama. And, you know, there are many puns for llamas and alpacas. It's, it's a good time. Uh, there are. They're very, very popular. <laughs> and I have been to so many llama farms. It's not funny. Um, so I've got been able to get up close and personal with the llamas and that has given me a bit more material as well. Mm, they're beautiful animals though. And I was going to ask why llamas? Why do you think llamas appeal to people? Is because they're a bit quirky, do you think? They are quirky. They're different. You know, it's the long kind of gangly legs and the big brown eyes and the eyelashes. They're beautiful. The sounds they make, they just look funny. And of course, um, in books, you can make them sound funny and do funny, silly things as well. So yeah, I think they're really appealing. Yeah, I think so too. 
all animals are cute, aren't they? They're all unique and special in their own yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. It just seems to be this, I think, surge of llamas and sloths that kids especially are really enjoying. You see that in the shop with the toys and you don't know what what started first, whether it was, you know, the books and the toys or whether kids just are drawn to these things. But it's interesting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. There's so many gorgeous, irresistible animals. I mean, I was addicted to meerkats for a very long time. Yes. Foxes are absolutely beautiful. I love sloths, dolphins, whales are really popular too at the moment. Um, I guess it's about um, keeping ahead of the wave, though, if you want to write a, a book or a series that's going to appeal to others and draw them into it rather than doing what everyone else is doing. So I think llamas was a little bit different as well, particularly in the age group that I've written for. There wasn't much in that age group. So that's a good thing for my series, I think. Absolutely. Where do you go after llamas? Where do I go after llamas? <laughs> well, I am working on something top secret at the moment. I'm working on a new um, children's series, uh, junior fiction series, but also with Penguin Random House, the publisher of League of Llamas, I'm working on a picture book series. And that's actually critically endangered animals. Oh, so, wow. You know, if you only ever wrote about animals, you would have to spend your whole life doing it because there are so many animals to choose from and so many mm. animals need their story told. Oh, I love the critically endangered. It's a really important topic, particularly for our young people to learn. I know that we've um, we've got our kids addicted to animal documentaries, particularly with the wonderful David Attenborough material out there. And um, I think it just instills that, um, you know, sort of, nurturing caring nature for animals and particularly you know when they're endangered or critically endangered because that's so important for our young people because hopefully they'll be able to you know help be the change for that absolutely and a lot of the time the animals are critically endangered due to a lack of education from humans who can actually help and understand and preserve these animals uh, so we need to be writing books about the animals and sharing that knowledge. One example is, you know, the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger, which mm -hmm. is um, extinct in Australia apparently, although there are some um, theories about that. And I've written a book on thylacines as well, always been fascinated with them. But part of the reason they became extinct is because of the lack of education about them and what they actually ate, how they actually hunted and all that sort of thing. And the actual habitat protection as well so yeah it's all about education and creating books and stories that are going to engage kids and teach them about animals you might have seen all the the bushfires earlier in this year and you know there's all these reports coming out now about animals and huge quantities and species of animals uh, disappearing from the wild because of the bushfires so we need to do more and more to protect those animals, particularly our critically endangered Australian native animals. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's just devastating when you do hear of critically endangered or extinct animals and it being the fault of human beings. And you just think, oh, like we need to, we need to do better. Like that's not good enough, is it? No, it isn't good enough. But um, I think a lot of kids um, become aware of um, the animals and, and other issues, obviously climate change. And um, with that education, we're becoming aware of it younger. And hopefully the older generations are becoming aware of it too. And we will start to do something about it. So your stories include courage, understanding, self-belief, friendships, and as we've touched on, the environmental issues. And obviously these are really important uh, themes to explore. Why are they important for you to explore in your books? 
Um, I think I've had, you know, issues that I've faced in my life as well. And writing is a way of working through those issues and then sharing them with other people, um, children mainly, but then adults have read a lot of my books as well. And these are like, you know, they're big issues that face a lot of us. So I do like those issues books. I like a story to be important enough to have this platform, maybe a platform for change. But then sometimes I like to write stories that are just pure entertainment as well you know this year has been a very serious year and kids have had to face so much responsibility and you know changes in the real world so having that balance of serious books to ones that are a bit giggly and funny like llamas I think there's kind of a time for everything and I'm hoping I do think that um, a lot more books will tend towards the more escapism and the humor in the next couple of years as we are trying to you know look after our own and our children's mental health and have this kind of different way of dealing with reality by perhaps relying on books yeah I think you're right I think books have many purposes and you know yes they're great if they're educational and they're great if they have layers where they can be read just for entertainment or they can also be read at a deeper level for you know information or educating people but you know, you can't underestimate the books that are just simply there for pleasure and joy. And that reading reduces stress and anxiety if you do it for, you know, a sustained period of time. And particularly, you know, in this year, you know, kids, they just need a bit of joy and a bit of comfort, don't they? Absolutely. And just because a book is entertaining and it has, you know, laughs and jokes in it doesn't mean that it's not difficult to write. Doesn't oh, mean yeah. it's not complex or doesn't have layers. Um, League of Llamas has many, many layers. And if you think about some of the best children's movies, you know, like Toy Story and um, other, other movies of that ilk, they've got plenty of layers for you to unpack. So there's, there's always a different purpose for different books. Not every book, just like every human, um, can be the same. And there's different reasons for us writing them and putting them out into the world. Mm. But this year and in a, the next few years coming, I don't think it hurts to have more joy in entertainment. <laughs> Never have enough joy, I reckon. Um, I was an English teacher for 17 years and I often took picture books into the classroom, uh, even with my year 12 class, because I think it's important, you know, to go beyond the literal and look a bit deeper at things and look at visual literacy. And so, you know, I, I used to really instill in them that picture books are not just for kids, they're for everyone. It's just the way in which you approach them and you read them. Oh, picture books are, besides being portable works of art, they mm. are the most incredible stories. Um, even wordless picture books like Shantan's yes. The Arrival. Very powerful. There's not even any words, but they can bring you to tears. They can bring adults to tears, um, sometimes of joy, sometimes, you know, of, of sadness. But the stories within them, they're beautiful study of narrative so they can teach anyone to write it's a very it seems simplistic narrative mm -hmm. that they're going through um but there's you know lessons you can learn in how to write a picture book in how to illustrate for a picture book and in narratives the narrative you're reading in the words the narrative you're viewing in the pictures and the narrative that's running through your mind as you're reading that um, and then, of course, storytelling picture books are incredible. And like you say, they're for all ages. Mm. I love them. I love creating them. Um, they're exquisite in, you know, the minimal text and the choice of the language choices that you make throughout, the delicateness 
of the story that you can create, but also the depth with those minimal words. And then because I don't illustrate my own books, I'm a terrible illustrator, um, <laughs> having, you know, that team that you can work with, with a publisher and an editor, a designer and an illustrator who brings your words to life visually, that is, that's joyous absolutely joyous because I can only put the words on the page but an illustrator can put the pictures in my readers mind so um, creating books picture books reading them it's it's a really joyous process for me I wanted to ask about collaboration actually because I know a lot of um, you know authors of picture books have different processes depending on the publishing um, house often and sometimes you will meet with your uh, illustrator or sometimes the publisher is the conduit between you know the illustrator and the author so what have your experiences have been in collaboration um, for me um, I've produced quite a lot of picture books and the majority of them would be uh, the publisher is the conduit I will mm. write the uh, manuscript send it off to the publisher and then they will choose an illustrator or they might ask if I've got some ideas for the illustrations you know like some styles or illustrators I might like but generally it has been the publisher choosing them and I really don't meet the illustrators or have a lot to do with them so um, that's been my experience for most of my picture books. Yep. Mm, it's an interesting way to collaborate, isn't it? Like I think it works. Obviously it works because you see beautiful books and picture books, but it's an interesting way to work. And I almost think for picture books, and I wonder if you will agree with this, it, it, it might be good not to meet because you can't influence each other. And then you get these two different perspectives and stories coming together to make a whole. So do you think that's why they do it? Uh, absolutely. And I think um, the publishers, you know, they're professional, they're a business and probably not as emotionally connected <laughs> to the illustrations. So they're, they're probably trying to keep those two creatives <laughs> professional and apart as they can. So like you say, it's not influencing one or the other. And, you know, when you write a picture book manuscript, you don't want to write too many illustration notes or instructions or suggestions for the illustrator. You want them to create what their imagination is creating. And you're going halves in royalties. Like that book doesn't, not even financially, but emotionally, it shouldn't be just the authors. It is 50-50 author and illustrator. Um, so you want the illustrator to feel that ownership and that love and that passion and to bring something to it, not just be, you know, creating some outlines and colouring in for what the author has you know, purely created from their imagination. And what we create as authors, you know, as I've gone along, I have developed um, a more visual storytelling ability. But some authors, you know, especially when they're starting out, they don't have that. And they might be saying, okay, well, this um, character has to be a panda bear. And they're not thinking beyond that because all they can think is panda bear, panda bear, panda bear. But what if they let go of that idea of the panda bear, came and instead they did a chameleon you know it would add so much more to the story so um, I think enabling each creative to bring their own ideas to the project is incredibly important and you'll get something far better than one person trying to control it all
Mm, no, I think you're right. Now you teach an online feedback course, uh, children's books for writing New South Wales. And I love the description of this online writing course that you provide feedback on writing for children and you enable writers to hone their skills over five months. That must be such a joy to do and to see emerging writers coming out and being able to feedback on that. Yes, absolutely. And each time we've um, run this course, we've just had more and more people um, joining in because it has had such great, you know, feedback and response and people have enjoyed the process. So they get my feedback, which obviously is, you know, expertise and all of the industry knowledge and um, writing skills, but they also can feed back to each other. And so they've really formed strong bonds. And then seeing a person's work progress over those five months or just seeing the quality and quantity of work that people are putting in and, you know, creating. So we, we look at picture books and we look at chapter books in that course. And um, it's a lot of fun. It's very entertaining. There's so many stories that people are creating that you think, oh, my goodness, that is such a great idea. <laughs> you want to help them develop it um, to become published. Uh, that is the aim. I guess I have my eye on that prize for all of the people who enter the feedback course. I really want them to go to that next step, to be submitting to commercial publishers and potentially being picked up for publication as well. So it does require that commitment and that level of, of work and being able to accept feedback too. I, it honestly is one of the hardest things to do as, as a person, as a business person, let alone as an author, when you feel that you've put your heart and soul on the page. So there's a lot of skills that people can pick up in that um, in that online feedback course and writing New South Wales have done an amazing job with it. And isn't it perfect with, um, you know, all of the lockdowns we've had and um, more work from home, being able to do this writing from home and get that invaluable feedback. Um, so it works for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I think that's absolutely wonderful. And having that, that same goal of everyone wanting to get published, I think that might make feedback a bit easier to swallow because you're all looking towards the same goal. Now, Lisa, I love to ask this question um, at the end of all the interviews. And I love to ask because I always get such interesting answers from every person that I've interviewed, like over well over 200 now. So I want to ask you, why do you write? Uh, I love it. I write for the joy. I write for just the words that are inside me. They have to go on a page. And that has been happening to me for probably since I was 16, so, you know, 30, coming up to 40 years, there have just been words inside me that have to come out and I have always loved books. I've been reading and writing since I was four and books have just been an essential element of my life, my whole life. First of all, reading them and now creating them. I just can't help it. It's just something <laughs> inside me. Honestly, you know, some people know that they want to be a doctor or an architect I just always wanted to be a writer. So it's those words and those stories inside me that just mm. keep bubbling to the surface. I for love good or for bad. No, I love that. I think that's a great answer because, you know, I think writing needs to come, you know, with all the process and structure with all that you need that heart and soul and resilience and passion. I think that's just as important as the technical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's that joy. There's that passion. Some people are born gifted as well mm. but can learn to write. And that's what I have done as well. Like, you know, everyone puts words on paper, but to really make it effective and to reach people learning those skills is critical. And I've got so many stories still to write. I've got so many things still to learn 
And that just really, it kind of amazes and inspires me. I just, I want to learn as much as I can and write beautiful stories. So I'll just keep going for as long as mm, I can. <laughs> well, now we'll aim for the next 50. You've done the first 50. Oh. We'll aim for the <laughs> next 50. No, pre- no pressure. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a really big goal. But you're right, I should be aiming high. <laughs> um, I didn't mean you had to write 50 in a year. Because in the next decade, <laughs> <Really>? goal. <laughs> Easy then. Oh, you're too kind. You've given me a bit more leeway. All right, that's my five year goal. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Lisa. I've really enjoyed this chat and it's been so lovely to talk about llamas and writing and passion and all the you know different things that you have done in your very successful career. So it's such a pleasure to chat with you today. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Jenny. I really appreciate it.